Hey everybody, thanks for joining us at the Central and Janesville podcast. Please remember to check us out on centraljanesville.com throughout the week. We're excited for wherever God's got you at right now, and we hope this message brings you a little closer. Thanks. Um, today we're, we're getting into, we're, we're still in our Mark series, uh, but we've called it, started calling it the real Jesus last week, kind of changing up uh, the focus of how we're looking at this series right now. Um, and I, I look at, I look in the book of Mark, and there's, there's some crazy stories. And we live in a crazy, crazy world. I don't know about you, but every time I, I hear about just about anything in the world right now, it seems like it's just crazier all the time. And if you're sitting there like, I don't think things are crazy, you might be the one. <laughs> just... Just wanted to throw that out there for you. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, news cycle gets crazier all the time. I, I came across a couple stories uh, this week. I found that the, uh, the Idaho Potato Commission, at, during Valentine's Day, they put out a French fry fragranced perfume for Valentine's Day this year. You could buy a 1.7 ounce bottle of it for a buck eighty-nine. That's like, that's cheaper than a, a things of fries at McDonald's, guys. That's so good. That's a crazy thing to go buy for Valentine's Day. But here's the thing I was thinking about. I was like, maybe it's not so crazy. My wife loves French fries. Like, when the French fly, fry stuff is just wafting out of McDonald's, she's like, oh, we got to get some. So I'm thinking, maybe that's a buck eighty-nine well spent for me. Put a little bit of that on. Irresistible. But the only problem is inflation probably makes it about $17.29 now, so whatever. Uh, came across another story, another crazy story this week. There was a lady who, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say a sentence right now, and I don't know if you've ever heard this sentence before. A woman had to be rescued after falling in a toilet while attempting to retrieve her phone. Hmm. So this one I don't understand. This woman was at a national park in Washington. And she was going to the bathroom in, in an outhouse that had a hole. She, she's using her phone, and she dropped it. Now, any normal human being is like, it's time for a new phone. Mm-mm. Not this lady. She decides, she takes off the top of the toilet, and she's got dog leashes with her, and so she's trying to get, she's trying to get I don't know how, but get the phone out with the dog leashes. Couldn't get it. So she decides to, to strap herself in with some dog leashes and to go head first in for this thing. And she fell. Now the good news is she was able to find the phone and call 911. <laughs> yeah, that actually happened. So they came and they rescued her. And they're like, are you, are you okay? She's like, oh, I don't know. I've been a little down in the dumps today. <laughs> Okay, that part I made up. I couldn't resist, all right? Sorry about that. I'm probably not called for a church, I get, but. So you and I, we hear crazy things every day. Uh, I hear about things and I wonder, I wonder about humanity sometimes, the crazy kinds of stuff that I hear. But then you look in the Bible and it's like, oh, so this crazy thing, this is just, this has just been the norm all along. 
There's crazy stuff that happens in the Bible all the time, but most of the time it's with like human beings doing crazy stuff. It's not all the time that we look at a story of Jesus and we're like, Jesus, you, you seem kind of crazy. But we're going to read two stories today that both of them, I'm going to be honest with you, I read it and I'm like, what? Jesus, this is weird what you're doing here. But these miracles that we're going to see from Jesus, it is the real Jesus performing real miracles. And I wonder if there's a point that we can get out of this. When we see crazy people doing crazy things, there's not much of a point that we can get. But if Jesus is doing something really weird and, and insane, there's probably a point to it. You know, maybe you've been in, in your, walking around in your life and you're like, God, I don't get what you're doing. Everything that you're doing, it seems ridiculous. But maybe there's a point that, that Jesus is trying to get out of your life situation. And so I'm going to take a look at this first miracle story. It's from Mark 7. Verses 24 through 30. It says, Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. What, what you need to know from that first sentence there is Jesus is essentially going into a, more of a Gentile area right now. Um, so he's going to be talking with people that are a little different than, he, than what he's been talking with. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it. Yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as he heard about him, as, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Now raise your hand if you've ever read this passage and you had a tough time with this passage before. Raise your hand if you've ever read this and you're like, Jesus seems like kind of a jerk in this passage. I'm going to be honest. That's me. I've definitely thought that at times. Like this is, this sounds wrong what Jesus is doing here. In all honesty, this is one of those passages that a lot of people try to, especially outside of the Christian faith, they're going to try to look at this passage and see, see, Jesus is not this perfect, loving, moral person that you in the church always talk about. He's a racist. He's a bigoted person. This Syrian Phoenician woman actually had to teach Jesus not to be a racist. That's where people will try to push this passage. Have you ever begun to, to see that this world is going to do everything that it can to try to prove to you that Jesus isn't what we say that he is. That the church isn't what it's supposed to be. And so, it's one of those passages that I'll be honest, if I could just skip it, I would. So, let's go to the next one right here. No, just kidding. We're not, we're not going to skip this. See, I think it's even more important that we go to this passage. I think a, a passage where Jesus at first glance, sounds not kind in a moment, I think we need to really figure out, okay, what is Jesus doing here? And no doubt about it, Jesus' response to this woman, it sounds incredibly harsh. He has essentially called her a dog. Now, I, don't, I don't know. I've never seen any place else where Jesus refers to somebody as a dog. He seems to be making what is actually a racially charged mark, remark at this woman. 
She's a non-Jewish woman, and, and a lot of the Jewish people, they would refer, they would use this statement, this phrase, in talking to Gentile people. But I want, to, I want us to just pull back for a second from, from what was said. I want us to think about this in maybe a different way. So let me ask you something. Is there something that you talk about with your friends or with your family, people that you're super, super close to, things that you talk about that if somebody wrote it down and there was no context whatsoever, no facial tone, no inside joke des describing what was going on, no smile, no talk about what your facial expressions were looking like, if the things were just written down that were said between you and your, and your loved ones, would there ever be a time where somebody would be like, you're an awful person? Because I don't know about you, but that's, that's me. I, I tend to be, I've always been a person, I, I have this tendency to have a dry sense of humor. And in my dry sense of humor, I like to say things really straight-faced. And people don't always, people actually, I found out later on, because I started dating, who is my wife now, I started dating her in high school, and she had to tell me, like, everybody thinks that you mean the mean things that you say. And I'm like, How? Uh, they're so over the top and mean, they couldn't possibly... Well, it's because you look mean when you say it. <laughs> okay, so if I ever do that to you, just know I'm not, I don't mean it, all right? Sometimes it just comes out that way. But here's the thing, context matters. Um, with my oldest daughter, Abby, we joke around a lot. And one of the things... So she'll, if, if she like beats me in a game or if she's getting snarky with me, one of the things that I like to say to her sometimes is like, hey, Abby, your, your friends called me today. They don't like you anymore either. And now all of you are like, I can't believe you would say that to such a precious child. She gets the context. Obviously, A, her friends don't have my phone number, unless they go to youth group maybe. Uh, they're not calling me and telling me that... They, why would they call me? Okay? So obviously this is not true. And so we laugh about it. We're joking around. Um, context matters. But if you took, if you simply took and wrote down what I said to my daughter, put it on paper with no context whatsoever, even I would read it and be like, that is a bad dad. Okay? I get it. Context matters. And in this situation, what Jesus is doing with this woman, context does matter. Consider the reaction that this woman had to what Jesus said. And ask yourself this, was she offended? Was this woman offended by what Jesus said? And then ask yourself a second question, did she seem to think that Jesus was speaking to her like a bigoted person would speak? Now I think the definitive answer, the obvious answer that we see here is no. She, was, she did not see it that way. Now the truth is, just because she didn't see it that way, that doesn't necessarily mean that Jesus wasn't being rude here. She could have, maybe she's heard this stuff so much that she's just learned to play it off and not worry about it. So let's ask ourselves a couple other questions. Does Jesus ask racially insensitive questions elsewhere that we read in Scripture? Does Jesus make it a habit of being rude to people in Scripture? No. The answer is obviously no. But people still like to take this passage and be like, yeah, Jesus isn't, he's just not the Jesus that you, you people in the church like to try to say he is. What's going on? So let's look a little closer at what Jesus actually was saying here to this woman. After the woman comes and begs Jesus to drive this demon out of her daughter, Jesus looks at her and says, first let the children eat all they want, for it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Again, this doesn't, this doesn't sound pretty. 
It's like he's saying, you're, you're one of the dogs. You're not one of the children. You shouldn't get the... Again, this is, this is probably a phrase that was used by Jewish people that, that was familiar. Referring to the Gentiles as dogs. Re- referring to themselves as the, as the children. The people who deserved what, what God had to give. But there's actually something in the original language here that Mark uses that's, that's really telling in terms of what Jesus is actually doing with this woman. The word that he uses for dogs is not the typical word that would have been used in this phrase. And that word would have probably been used about, about these big dogs, that maybe these stray dogs that, were, that would wander around the area. He used a different word for, the, for dogs, and it was this diminutive word for dogs, referring to little dogs, these little dogs that would, would actually be pets in people's homes. And you might be saying, well, okay, well, Jesus is still calling this woman a dog in this situation. Still doesn't seem to fit. But something in what she said, in what Jesus said, she caught on to it. Jesus is saying, he kind of softens this, this phrase for her. He softens it up to say, essentially, that you're not one of the little dogs, one of the pets. Still somebody in the house, but he just softened it up a little bit. And something in that clicked for her, I think. In our, in our context, in our culture... We maybe don't see the subtlety of what Jesus did in this phrase. But whatever it was, she caught on to it. Jesus had softened the expression just enough for her to catch it, to catch his kindness. And, and I think you and I, we would realize that this happened to us in a situation that was similar to this. Uh, maybe you've joked around with a friend before, and you were about to say something, and you're like, ooh, that's a little edgy. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the edge off of it a little bit and soften it up a little bit. Or, or maybe, maybe you said something to a friend that was, that was a little edgy, and, but you had a look in your eyes and a, a smile on your face that told your friend, like, this, we're, we're joking around like this because we're friends. And I think that's what we see here with Jesus. There's something there that, that this woman sees. Maybe you've played devil's advocate with a friend before. Uh, you said something that the words it's, it, themselves, you didn't believe it, but you were saying it in order to get your friend to just kind of see the point of what you were trying to make. And really, that's what Jesus is doing here in this dialogue. While people look at this and they say, man, that Jesus, he's just, he's just not the Jesus that, that I can follow. There's something in him, I don't know. You see it right here in this, in this passage. If that's what you're seeing there, you're missing the point. Jesus is not giving in to a culture that was filled with racism. He was actually doing everything that he could to pull out this ideology and show how wrong it actually was. Because of how he addressed it, this woman knows Jesus isn't buying into this ideology that she's a dog. Anything... It's actually anything but that. He's actually opening the door for her to speak what Jesus knows is true, which is that God does not abide by the racial injustices that people have made a part of their cultures and their practices. What Jesus was doing here was so different than what his culture was about. We think we struggle with racism in America, and I can't imagine that it's anywhere close to actually what was going on in this day and age. The kind of stuff that was happening, uh, racial injustices that were happening, it was awful. Her culture saw this woman as worthless. Jesus saw this woman as worth it. 
Her culture saw this woman as a dog. Jesus opened the door for her to see herself as just as important as the next person. And so what he's doing here is he's really trying to do something that was really difficult. He didn't simply want to give this woman her miracle. So many times I think we go to Jesus and we just want the miracle. We just want Jesus to do the thing that we need to do so that our lives get better. And while Jesus wants to give the miracle, he wants to take this demon out of, the, out of this little girl, he wants to do something more. He wanted to give this woman her humanity back. He wanted the world to see the value in her that up to this point only he had chosen to see in her. See, I think the real miracles of Jesus, they have a lot more to do with the love that Jesus wants to lavish on us than the healing itself. We're out there looking for healings. We're out there looking for all these things that we want from Jesus when he's saying the healings are actually just, they're, they're a means to an end. Healings are a means to an end of me showing you how much I love you. That's what Jesus wants to do for us. It sounds really awesome. I, mean, I wish, I wish things were like they were sometimes here in the, even in the beginning of the, of the New Testament, the beginning of the church. It'd be awesome when somebody's sick to just be able to go and touch them and they're healed. Like that, that would make a difference in the world, right? It'd also be awesome to do uh, some of the kinds of miracles that one, one of them that you saw Jesus do with Peter. And he told Peter, hey, why don't you go fishing for a fish and then take that fish out and then you're going to find a coin in it. I would love that miracle. Like, just go fishing and find money. That's cool, right? Man. But it's not about the miracle. That's not the miracle, guys. Jesus' miracles were never for, for the purpose of the miracle. Every person healed. Get this. Every person that Jesus healed, do you know what happened to them? They died eventually. The, the water that was turned to wine, it all got drunk up. I don't, I was, I actually was going over this and I was like drinking, 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 drunken. I, my, my wife has messed me up when it comes to past tenses and things like that, but I think I said it right. It would, it, it got drunk eventually. There we go. But they had to go and get more wine eventually if they ever wanted to drink wine again. Miracles only serve a purpose for so long. The miracle is meant to show us something different. It's a means to an end. And the end is about Jesus helping us to find the grace of Jesus. The real miracle of Jesus is found in the love that Jesus brings to those that he showers his mercy on. In other words, he cares more. He cares about the miracle happening if it... Let me rephrase that. Who cares about the miracle happening if it doesn't get you to the place where you find the greatest miracle that Jesus has for you. I don't, I don't care if we're going to be healed from physical illnesses and, and, and have financial troubles all gone away if it doesn't get us to the place where we actually see who Jesus is. All the miracles are pointless without that. The point of the story is not that Jesus performed a miracle. The point is not that the demon was taken out of this little daughter. The real thing that Jesus was trying to do was show this woman who he was. The point of the miracle is meant to point us to the good news about Jesus. The news that he has love for everyone. No matter what their history, no matter what their, their ethnicity, no matter what their background is, no matter what society thinks about them. The real point of the, of the miracle is that 
we find who Jesus is in terms of his love for us. In a world where unacceptance feels like the norm, Jesus accepts everyone who comes to him because that is who he is. Plain and simple. This woman didn't bring Jesus to the point where she find, he finally could accept her. Like, people that think that this woman was teaching Jesus something, that's crazy to me. Jesus had healed Gentile people already in the book of Mark. It's not that he had to be taught this. He was teaching all of us something deeper. This woman really walked away from, from this moment with Jesus with two miracles. Her daughter was healed, and she was brought into a relationship with a loving God. Now, the question is, what does this all mean for me? Obviously, I think that it means something for our walk with, with God. But what does it mean in my own relationship with other people? I think there's something that this story shows us about our relationship with people. The thing I think it shows us is this. Your love for someone else might be the miracle that they need that helps them find the real Jesus. Your love for somebody actually can be the miracle, the better miracle that they need than what you think or they think they actually need. People don't always need the miracles that they think they need. People don't need to get out of poverty to see who the real Jesus is. People don't need to have all of their, all of their physical infirmities healed in order to see who the real Jesus is. Sometimes all that people need is actually to feel the love and acceptance that Jesus has for them, and that can come through you and me. The miracle that somebody might need today is for you to actually show them the love that Jesus has shown to you. And I think there's a catch here. I am not always good at giving that kind of love and acceptance to people. Maybe some of you are amazing at it. I am not always that good at it. I find ways to judge people. I find ways to be angry at people all the time. So I want you to hear this. If it's possible that people can honestly misjudge Jesus' words and character, the Son of God, the perfect creator of the world, if we can misjudge Jesus, isn't it very possible that you're misjudging somebody's character right now? Really think about that. The people that you're, that you're judging and you've got all these mischaracterizations about, it's like all of their words have been written on paper and you're reading it as is without any context a lot of the time. I am so incredibly grateful that, that, that my wife didn't just read on the paper the words that I was saying to people in high school, and she saw the context. She saw what, what I actually maybe could be deep down in my heart. That miracle of her loving me like that, like the way that Jesus loves me, is the miracle that I needed to actually become better. And some of us, we've got people in our lives that we need to be the miracle in their lives, showing them the love of Jesus. You want to you give a miracle to somebody? Maybe today, start to re-examine your judgments of somebody. Even better, maybe you need to disregard your judgments. Because here's the thing. Sometimes our judgments are completely accurate. I think about Jesus when he judges me as a self-centered, self-righteous person. He is 100% right. But he disregarded that judgment to go to the cross for me. Sometimes we need to disregard our judgments, even if they're right. So I think this story shows us of, of how we can be a, a miracle giver to somebody, but I think it also shows us something that can happen in our own relationship with God. It shows us, I think, that a miracle is waiting right in front of us, maybe in ways that we haven't seen. It shows us that no matter how unacceptable you might think you are, Jesus has 
a place waiting at the table for you. Now, I think about it. He's even using, he's even using language with this woman about being at, at a table and, and, and getting the crumbs. And this woman is, is wise enough to realize, like, no, I, I have a place at the table of Jesus because of the love that God has for me. Just like when you read this story and you feel like Jesus is being a jerk, that's your initial reaction, our human reaction. Sometimes we get it totally wrong and we misjudge how Jesus actually thinks about us. I do stuff wrong and all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh man, there's no way that, there's no way that, God, it, it, that God wants to welcome me to his table right now. But I'm telling you, you couldn't be any further from the truth. He's doing one thing in our life all the time without failing. It's this. Jesus is trying to help you see that the good news that the real miracle he has for you is his unending, unfailing love. That is the one miracle he wants to make sure that you walk away from this life knowing that he gave to you. We're going to take communion in, in a little bit. I worship you guys can come back up. But I want to share real quickly. It's not going to be a whole sermon's worth, believe me. But I'm going to share the next story that comes up in this passage. Because the next story also is, it's another crazy one. It might even be crazier than this story was, to be honest with you. But it's a story that shows us what the good news is. So here it is. Mark 7, verse 31, it starts with. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and who could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears. Then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He's done everything well, they said. He even, give, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. So guess what? We got another really, really, really weird healing here. A really weird miracle. As a kid, I would have said, this is the wet willy miracle. Because that's what it looks like to me. Jesus, why'd you stick your finger in his ears? That's gross. Everything about this story is like, this is nasty. He spits on his hand and he touches the guy's tongue. I'm not even touching a tongue without the spit on my hand. This is wrong. Jesus, what are you doing? Couldn't Jesus have just said the words and this guy would have been healed? He'd have been able to hear and he'd been able to talk completely well? Of course. Why then didn't he do it that way? I'm going to say something that's going to sound really weird at first, but the reason he didn't do it that way is because I think he wanted to make a connection with the guy. Now, you and I get it. I don't want a wet willy, Jesus. I, this is not the connection I need. I get it. But you have to understand, he, pulled, he took this man and he pulled him off to the side away from the crowd. A guy who had never heard in his entire life and Jesus sticks his finger in his ears essentially just to say, I'm, whatever's in there, I'm getting it out. And you know what? This doesn't feel comfortable for me either, buddy. I'm with you in the humiliation that you've been feeling all this time. I see where you're at. 
I'm with you. I don't know why he spat into his hand and touched the man's tongue. I don't get it. But just because I don't get it doesn't mean that it wasn't what Jesus knew that guy didn't need to have happen. For whatever reason, Jesus knew how that man needed a physical healing, but he also knew how he needed a faith healing. That guy needed a faith healing, and Jesus came to him, and he connected with him in a way that we don't have to get it, but he connected with him. He entered into that man's humiliation, into that man's pain. So my question at this point is, do you get it? Jesus' miracles are not about the demons being cast out or the deaf being able to hear again. It's not about getting the miracle that you think that you maybe need to get. The real Jesus has given each of us the same miracle. The real miracle, I would say. The miracle that counts more than anything else counts. The only miracle that's going to count when we actually leave this life and go into eternity. He's given us the miracle that matters the most. When Jesus went to that cross, the people there, they did not understand what Jesus was doing. It looked ridiculous to them. It looked wrong. It looked weird. It didn't look like the actions of a king for Jesus to give himself up to the cross. But it's because it wasn't the miracle you thought that you needed. His miracle was not the miracle we thought we needed. It was the miracle that he knew we needed. And I think Jesus right now is probably trying to get a hold of all of our hearts and say, I don't, I know that not everything has been the way that you want it to be, but I'm just trying to point you to who I am. I'm just trying to point you to the cross. If you can understand the gospel, if you can understand the good news, if you can understand that everything I did was simply to help you get to that place where you accept who I, what I did for you on the cross, then it's all been worth it. The trials that you go through, the struggles that you go through, it's just as worth it as if I gave you all the miracles that you wanted. Maybe you're hurting today because you feel like things haven't gone the way that you'd hoped. And today, I think today is a reminder that even when things feel off with Jesus, we can have assurance that he does know what he's doing. I guarantee that there's people in this room who are, have walked in here and lately you've been feeling like things are off. Something doesn't feel right. I don't know if God knows what he's doing with me. These two stories are proof positive that he knows what he's doing with us, even when it looks weird. And because of what he did on the cross for us, bringing us righteousness when we didn't deserve it, we can come to him with confidence. It says in Hebrews 4.16, let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I really believe that Jesus knows better what you need in your life than what you need in your life. He knows better for us what we need than what I think I need. And I want to tell you, he has not forgotten about you. He has not forgotten about where you're at right now. He's not being harsh with you when you, he, you think he's being harsh with you. He is not bringing weird things into your daily life to bring you misery. He knows what he's doing. I think today, maybe some of us, we just need to get to that place where we say, okay, God, I'm going to submit to you. I'm going to trust 
that no matter, I don't get what you're doing. I feel like, I feel like you're coming and you're just sticking your fingers in my ear, Lord. It just doesn't make sense anymore. But you know what? I'm going to submit and say, whatever weirdness you bring in, you've got a point. Help me to figure out that point. I don't care if the point comes 50 years down the road, but Lord, I want to trust that you're getting me to that place. I know the miracles that I've wanted you to do in my life, but I know the one miracle that matters most, that you came and you died on a cross for me. You took your righteousness and you gave it over and took on my unrighteousness so that I could have your righteousness. That's a miracle. I don't think there's a better miracle that we could have. So let's just submit our hearts to God in that place today. Thanks again for joining us on the Central and Janesville podcast. Remember to check us out at centraljanesville.com. Have a great week.